evening, everybody, and welcome to Let's Talk Low Vision, sponsored by the Council of Citizens for Low Vision International. My name is Dr. Bill Takesta, and I want to thank all of you for tuning in this evening. And as you know, each month we do have this weekly, or excuse me, monthly interview program. Now tonight, we really are sort of going off-base. Instead of talking about magnifiers and eye diseases or computers, we're going to be talking about dating. And we're very, very fortunate to have Kristen McDonald here with us on the show tonight. Now, Kristen, many of you might know her because she's quite well-known in the area of vision impairment. She has her own podcast interview show, which is called Second Vision. She's also a actress, an author, a motivational speaker, a fundraiser, and she does so much more than that. And tonight she's going to talk to us about her experiences with being a young person who is dating in the field while one has low vision. So welcome, Kristen. We really appreciate you spending your time here with us tonight. Oh, thank you, Dr. Bell. I feel very honored to be on your show, number one, and flattered that you you considered me to be a a, a 100% dating expert when I'm still single. I must tell all of you that. But I think because I am still single, I probably have a wealth of knowledge that I've gathered along the way <laughs> to share. Well, and I am you know, writing a book called 100 Blind Dates. So there you oh, go. Oh, well, now when is that book going to be published? Do you have a date that's going to be released yet, approximately? No, actually the proposal is in the hands of the agent now, but we feel very confident about it. There's a really good team of people driving this. And, um, you know, who knows? Maybe it will be a TV show someday, but it's a, it's a – project that's really the story of my life because I lived in both worlds. I was sighted and then like yourself, I discovered I had a condition and then I am now sort of in the visually impaired community. You know, I've lived in both worlds. I've been sighted and visually impaired. Well, you know, that's so, really something that really gives you a, a different experience as compared to many. I mean, yes. we often see a lot of uh, children who are born visually impaired mm-hmm. and they have the question, Dr. Bill, You know, as a person who's visually impaired, I'm really afraid that I may never, ever be married. Or we also see people who are teenagers and people in their young age where they then lose their vision and they feel that they themselves also uh, may never meet somebody or they don't have the self-esteem. And uh, what are some of the things that you have first learned? What is the main difference in terms of how perhaps others treat you as being a person when you had typical fully vision as compared to being a person who's partially sighted? Well, that's a very good question because, um, you know, when you meet someone through friends or in a dating situation, through friends, family, social gatherings, work, I think it's different because people see you a little differently than when you're meeting someone online, let's say, and we can get into that, of course, on this program. Um, I never see myself, as you probably don't, as a person who's blind. One, because I was born sighted, and two, just because that's just something that uh, has happened to me. It's not who I am. So it took a lot for me with the transition to kind of, you know, after I got used to carrying a cane and all those other things, to sort of just be who I am. And the more I was who I was, the more people just saw me and not the disability. But a lot of people get afraid of disabilities, you know, or they, they're just so enamored that you even put your two shoes on that match, 
you know. So you are definitely treated differently initially, but I think once you get to the core of things, people just treat you like a person. I know for myself, and I, I'm married, and I you got to tell my wife this, I never dated while I was married, so I can't get in trouble for that. But <laughs> I know that for myself, one of the issues that I had was that I was very, very scared to reveal that I was visually impaired. Yeah. I did not want to let people know I was visually impaired. I did not want to use a cane, and I tried so hard to try to act normal that I wasn't normal. Yes, I went through the exact same thing. I'm sure many people can relate to that, no matter what the disability that they may, you know, have. Kristen, are you there? Okay. What we're going to do is we'll we'll wait until she can call and get back onto the uh, conference line there. Can you hear me? Many of you have experienced uh, going through vision impairment, being embarrassed, and by Having that visual difficulty and not letting others know, it often creates so much stress upon yourself that when you do meet people, you don't act the way that you normally do. Hello? Hi, Kristen. Hello, Kristen, is that you back there? Okay. I think that uh, we had her there again. But... Uh, Again, I think that those are some of the difficult issues that happen with uh, respect to dating. Now, in terms of we're talking to other patients of mine, what I have found is that once the patient or the person with low vision or the person who is blind gets over some of that anxiety of letting a person know that they are visually impaired, it seems as though things are really much, much better. For example... I have a young patient, and for so long, he always, always tried to act as though he had nothing wrong with his vision. He never talked to any of his friends at school about it. This is a young man who is in high school. He was a senior in high school, and he said, you know, Dr. Bill, I'm just so worried that I'll never get married because if anybody finds out that I'm visually impaired, they will never want to go out with me. Nobody ever wants to go out with a guy. What am I going to do, take him out on my mom's station wagon with my mom driving? And I said, no, it's not that way at all. I talk about other students and other people that I know who were patients of mine who got married, and, and things went very well. And so this young man, he really tried to hide it. He hid it all the time. And one day, there was a group of his friends, and they were all going to go out on a date, and they basically said they wanted to go to the movies. And so they asked this young man, and they said, Hey, Nathan, do you want to go to the movies with all of us? What do you think about that? And he said, No, no, you know, I, I'm busy, I'm busy. They said, Well, what about it the other the other weekend? Why don't we do it another weekend then? We could do it the following weekend. Oh, no, 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 I'm busy too. And then the girl came up to him quietly, and she said, Hey, Jason, let me talk to you for a minute. And she pulled him aside, and she said, Jason... We all know that you have vision problems. You're not fooling any of us, and we want you to go out with us because we like you. And this whole thing was my plan so I could get a chance to have a date with you. And he just smiled, and he couldn't believe that that was actually her way, that she was actually trying to set up this whole date. And the whole time, she actually knew that he had this particular type of vision problem. So I think the story behind all of that is one thing is 
try to really be yourself. I think in many cases you want to be yourself simply because in you're trying to hide the fact that you have a vision impairment, you don't act the way that you typically are, and you won't be yourself, so the chemistry just may not be what it's supposed to be. The other thing to think about is that when there is a situation like that, we find that a lot of these young folks, when they hide it, and eventually they fall in love with this other person, they eventually have to reveal it. And at that point in time, when they reveal it later, a lot of times, the the other person that they were dating, they often feel, gosh, I was betrayed, or why couldn't you tell me? You didn't trust me enough? Or they often think, you think that I was so shallow that I wouldn't go out with you just because you can't see well? So my experience in the 25 years of being with many patients who are low vision is that the vision impairment really hasn't been as much of an issue as one might often think. Now, I often have talked to other patients where they have stated that it's not all roses out there. There have been times that as a low vision person, they have asked a girl out and the girl said, no, I, I, I'm really sorry you're a nice guy, but I really just don't want to go out with somebody who is blind. Well, I really don't want to deal with this. What if you do go blind? I don't want to have to deal with all of this type of drama. You know, unfortunately, that is reality. It's the same type of thing where there might be certain people who will say, you know what, I'm really sorry. I can't go out with you because you're too short. Or I'm sorry, I can't go out with you because you aren't the same religion that I am. And it's very, very interesting. I know another person and this is a person. Dr. Bill, I just wanted to tell you I'm back. I didn't oh, want to great. interrupt you. Oh, yeah, I'm great, sorry. Great. I didn't want to interrupt you, but something, okay, let me, forgive let me, me everyone. Kristen, sure, let, go hold ahead, on. go ahead, please. And, 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 and so the thing was, is that this is, this is a young girl. She's a, she's a, a Japanese American girl. And, uh, she, she met a young man in college. And he is a Korean American boy. And they were getting along, and they were just best friends, and they started sort of dating. And the thing was, he eventually said, you know, I really, really love you, but I'm just so sorry that I can't date you because my parents would never accept me dating a Japanese. So even in this day, we see that there's a lot of things that do make it difficult to date. And it's not only because someone may have vision impairment or hearing impairment or a physical impairment, but it may be that maybe you don't make enough money, maybe you're the wrong ethnicity, maybe you're too short, maybe you're too small, or any other sort of thing, but these things do happen. So, well, welcome back, Kristen. I'm sorry that your I'm phone so line... I'm sorry. Was a, excuse me. That was a technical difficulty. I've had problems with my lines lately, so I apologize to everyone. Um, oh. But I picked up on your point you were just making. I was kind of doing a little review of some of the the dating experts that I've interviewed on my show um, in the past year, and one of them was Evan Mark Katz, who is an online dating expert, and he's an author. He's been on all the top you know, morning shows and The Tonight Show. But he was making a point that you were just a moment ago, and that is that you know maybe somebody's not perfect enough in all these different ways. And then when people get online, they often have these profiles and put out such a high list that they end up being single because they don't really, um, it's not realistic, you know. 
that they're not, they, they put between a certain age, height, finances, et cetera, et cetera. And yet he met his wife, who happens to be now four years older than him, and um, a different religion. She's actually a Republican. He's a Democrat. And he said, we would have never connected had I not opened up. And that's my point, to be a yeah. little less rigid. Now, what do you, what can uh, you, you'd say about some of these different types of online dating? I know that for many people who are low vision or blind, it's often difficult to go to clubs or bars or other events. So many people might yes. actually date online. What kinds of tips or suggestions can you give about online dating? Oh, I can give lots of them because, one, I've done it myself, and I don't think any anyone. I've had two long-term, very good relationships from online dating and close to marriage. I mean, they're just, you know, good guys that just didn't, we weren't going in the same direction eventually. But um, this Evan Mark Katz, one of the guests that I had on my show, and that show is on my link on Second Vision, he has a whole wealth of information on his website. So if you go to any of these podcasts with either Evan Mark Katz, and I'll give you some other names throughout the program, what he says is that, one, everybody is doing it, especially the largest group of people who are doing it are over 50. And there's many people with disabilities doing it, except that it's a little more challenging for someone like myself or someone who is in a wheelchair or someone who's blind because well, basically blindness, you can't really navigate on there yourself. So you need a good friend, one, to help you see the pictures, read the profile, yeah. um, because it's very challenging. The sites are not set up for JAWS. But I think it's a great way to expand your horizons to meet more people. And, um, and, and I have lots of tips because, one, I think you shouldn't email too long. You should get to know someone right away on the phone. And you get a really good sense of someone's voice you know, and their presence and if you're going to connect. And to meet them in a public place only for coffee or a light lunch, nothing that's going to take you where you'll be committed to a long date with someone for too long the first time. I have quite a few tips, but those are a few. And are there any particular types of uh, matchmaking websites that you found have become, you know, been a little bit better, perhaps a bit more credible or safer? Well, that's a good question, too. Number one, Match.com has its universal uh, reputation for being a good website because it's, you know, it's one that a lot of people have found success on. But two, paying that 20 bucks a month or whatever it is is worth it. They say, the dating experts say, that the free websites, you don't meet the caliber of person. They're not as committed. So even if you're paying that little amount of money, it shows some sort of commitment on the person's part. You know, and the second thing is, one of the things that Evan had said uh, when I interviewed him was that if you really want to date, whether it's online or be in a relationship, the people who put dating as a priority in their life, just the way we put our work or our families, our friends, those are the ones that find relationships. It really is like finding a job, unfortunately, whether it's online or you're doing speed dating or joining social groups. You have to take a certain amount of hours each week and try to commit to that, to try to meet people. And eventually, you know, what you focus on grows. Then you meet people. It's a numbers game, really, especially in a big city. Kristen, have you found uh, situations where perhaps on your profile for online dating, in some situations you didn't mention anything about your vision? Or other times you did did mention things about your vision? I did it both ways. How was the experience different? Well, it's a very, very good question. 
Um, and that's one reason why I brought up the book that I'm writing, because there's a lot of, of um, you know, my whole story's in there about, you know, being cited and then being partially cited and how I presented myself in life and in the workplace and in the dating place. I originally started online and I didn't tell people and I told them on the phone when they'd call me. And that was more difficult because, number one, especially with guys, they're very visual and they look at pictures and some of them don't even read a profile. You know, recently I had a date with someone and he said, wow, he said, I think maybe if I had known, if I had read your profile, I might not have taken you out and I might have missed this wonderful, wonderful person. You're amazing. And he went on and on. But in the past, I didn't used to put it in my profile. Now I put it in my profile and it's, it really separates the men from the boys. Because now someone who really knows what they're going to deal with calls me, and it's open and it's upfront, so it's much better. It's just and it's just more selective. Yeah, that's what I would think is that if you actually put it out there, out in the open, the mm-hmm. people who are going to be calling not or of inquiring, that's not yeah. an issue for them. You know, they, well, they and are, also. Sorry, they, go ahead. You know, they're, they're much, they're much deeper than that. They, they really are not Absolutely. only taking or judging a person by whether or not they can or cannot see. So, I, I would think that that really filters out a lot of the possible problems you may have in the future. Absolutely, and it's also because I'm more uh, comfortable in my own skin now. So I'm confident, and it's not like my profile screams insecurity about it. If someone, I mean, it's just like anything else. If you're going to put it out there and put it in a way that it's negative or that your your lack of confidence about it is showing, that's going to rub off and scare someone, you know. But if you're comfortable with who you are and it's just a part of your life and you understand that it, it is something to deal with but that you're okay with it and you're doing okay, then somebody else will be okay. Now, what was the way that you worded it on your profile to state that you had low vision? Well, I I have to read it. I haven't read it in so long, but I think I said that, uh, number one, I don't drive due to, and that's a big factor with someone, you know, because a lot of people think, oh, in Los Angeles you don't drive, you know. Uh, I don't drive due to a problem with low vision, uh, a condition that took, uh, you know, caused me to have a degenerative eye condition. I don't know if I, I don't think I used the word degenerative. I said took part of my eyesight, but despite my lack of eyesight, my vision is perfect. You know, some metaphor like that. So it was very positive and that's the way I put it. And when you go on some of these dates, for example, the first date for coffee or lunch or you meet some of these Mm -hmm. people for the first time, I imagine that you meet so many people that have never really been around a person who is partially sighted or, or blind. And well, uh, how you're right. do you, how do you get over some of these ridiculous things that they may say? I'm certain they say, "Gosh, Kristen, you don't look blind." Or, "Kristen, do you sing?" Or, "Do you play the yep. piano?" Or, yep. uh, "How do you, how do you get over those things?" Were, were you ever you offended must... at first, or is this just something that, with time, you, you just come to laugh at it? I think probably like you, I was sensitive, more sensitive in past years, and I've become less sensitive. And I've tried to have a sense of humor about it. Now, I've, I've even on a few occasions, I've said, "Hey, am I your first blind date? You know, or am I your first <laughs> real blind date?" <laughs> That's good. And, 
Uh-huh. And they, you know, I tried that once or twice, and that just made them laugh and feel so comfortable, you know, because it is kind of a bizarre feeling, I'm sure, for someone to meet meet someone who doesn't see, and they've never experienced that. So, but then when they see you're a capable person, you know, and you're doing things with your life, then it breaks down that barrier. So I've tried not to be so sensitive. My minister once told me, she's a great woman, she said to me, you have to, because I went to her with a problem saying in the workplace, God, I'm feeling like people are saying things and I'm not comfortable, you know, and I didn't carry a cane at that time. And she said, Kristen, you have to grow really thick skin. And she was right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we have to try not to be so sensitive and try to understand the other person's point of view. What would it be like coming on that date and meeting someone, you know, who who can't see anymore? Or can't and, see their face. That's a difficult thing, to tell a man you can't see what he looks like. Well, has your experience of dating really changed a lot since you have lost your own vision in the sense that yes. maybe you don't look only to date the really macho hunk guys? Because I don't know if most of our audience know this. You know, Kristen uh, is an actress, and she's, uh, she's really a very beautiful woman, and I, I'm certain that she can have her choice of, of men out there. But on the other side, I just wonder, since you lost your vision, do you find that you don't go over the GQ models and you, you, you judge men differently for a different level of character they have? I do, but first of all, thank you. That's very sweet of you. I'm not 29 anymore, but <laughs> but I'm still out there. Well, and, you look 30. Uh, thank you. Thank you. No, to you, you're visually impaired. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> That's the other thing. No one ever trusts you when you give a compliment when you're visually impaired. They say, oh, you look great. You say, oh, you do too. And they say, thanks. They don't believe you. <laughs> no, you know, it's been both a gift. Um, it's been a... It's been a deterrent, and yet it's been, I've gotten gifts from being visually impaired in the dating area. And that's another thing, Cherry Norris, she's another dating, uh, Hollywood dating director that I interviewed, and we talked about that on, on my show. You know, I can't visually see the men that I might be flirting with now, which is very painful and difficult because I like, I think eye contact's important and, you know, just getting a look at someone and you can see if you're attracted to them or not and, and then they know that you're interested. So it's difficult because I can walk right by someone and they've said to me later, gee, I had no, one guy said to me, I was out dancing recently, he said, I've been trying to get your attention for an hour, you know? Oh, yes. yes. So I'll be sitting in a dark restaurant or out with friends and they won't know that I'm even interested. So if anyone's visually impaired and they're listening, I'm sure they might be able to relate to that. But the gift has been that you really, and you know this, you really begin to find out who someone is very fast. And the core of the person is really what counts, and also the person's actions. You know, they can call you and um, say all these great things in their profile or if you meet them through friends, but if their actions don't follow their, you know, what they really mean, then, then it, it doesn't mean anything. But I, I have learned to look at a deeper sense of who someone is. Yes, definitely. Now, what are some other places that you have found uh, easy or a nice place to meet nice people that, uh, that you know, you might be able to meet the type of people that you're looking at other than maybe just a bar or something? Sure. Well, two things. I mean, I've, I've certainly had some, some uh, very long-term relationships from people setting me up with people or, inter- you know, just having met them by accident, 
you know, at a friend's uh, dinner party or they think you might like them. So that's a really good way through friends is to put it out there. Um, but the other thing is is to take up activities that you really like, you know. not don't, don't take up football if you're someone who doesn't like sports. Take up dancing if you're really into dancing because chances are you'll find someone who likes to dance too. Yes, that's so really... So going places and being out there, and I think it's really great when you meet in person because um, then they just see who you are right away. Yes, I think that's so true. And this is what I tell so many of our patients, our young patients. Mm-hmm. These are young high school students who just graduated high school and they're worried about they'll never get married or they'll never date. And what they do is they stay home all day long. And I say, oh. you got to get out there. You have to join oh, the no. club. Go to the gym. You could come to a support group at our center. You could volunteer at a different organization. Yes. And if you're yes. not out there, you really don't meet people. No, you don't. And just about the volunteering, too, we both know this because we're involved in, in a couple of the similar, you know, great organizations. And by getting out there and giving something of yourself and then being involved in different activities and charities and stuff, you really meet a great team of people. Now, Kristen, have you found it very difficult to to date other people who are visually impaired, or has it ever been a situation where you said, you know, I want to date another person with low vision just because they understand me better. Have have you had any experience dating others who are low vision? Well, it's funny. You know, a, a top criteria for me is he's got to have 20-20 vision and car keys. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you a funny story. A long time ago, oh, God, I think it was about eight years ago, I got... Uh, set up on a Match.com date with a guy who actually had RP, and that's what I have. It's retinitis pigmentosa, and neither one of us knew that we both had the same condition, (laughs) and it was just like a comedy TV show when we met in the restaurant. One was trying to say, well, you follow the waitress first. No, I'll follow her. First, he (laughs) stared at me for about 20 minutes, and he had this piercing tunnel vision stare. And I thought, is that that Victor? And he's a handsome guy, but I thought, it doesn't look like his picture, but how could I tell, you know, being visually impaired? So when we finally, you know, met up, then we got to the table, and then we went to clink our glasses, and we missed, you know. (laughs) It, It was just a comedy of errors. And then when I was kind of breaking the news that I didn't drive at night, he said to me, why don't you drive at night? And I said, well, I, and I thought, gee, how do I, I have the well, I don't see that well. At, and he leans over and he said, do you have retinitis pigmentosa? And I said, I beg your pardon? I mean, <laughs> who would even know what it is, let alone be able to pronounce it? And I said, why did you ask me that? And he says, because I have it. And oh. then we both burst into laughter. And I found out he had my same doctor and the whole thing, you know. <laughs> Oh, my goodness. You know, we became friends. He wanted to date. It wasn't a love match for me. He was a really nice guy, but I did find it to be challenging because driving with him was a little scary. He was at the point where he hadn't given up, you know, and, um, you know, he flew me down two concrete steps, (laughs) and he walked me into a shopping cart after walking out of the restaurant. Yes, yes. But, you know, and at least for me personally, when I talk to a lot of my patients who are looking to date, and when they tell me that they truly are looking for somebody who could enhance the quality of life, which even means driving, I could completely understand that. If you're a person who's totally blind and you live in an area that there isn't 
easy access to public transportation, I, I see that as being a criteria that many people might choose, and I don't blame them for that. I think that if that is something that is really that important to them. However, I feel that when they meet people, when you really just meet a person just for who they are, you often will forget about any of those things, and you say, well, I'll take a taxi or what have you. But many, right. many, many, many people, they come and they say, you know, Dr. Bill, I feel really, really guilty. I feel so shallow, but because of my vision impairment, I really want to marry somebody who could drive. And, and they feel very, very bad about that. So these are some of the types of, quote, you know, psychological or emotional issues that many times even the person with low vision will face because they may feel guilty about who they who they date. What, well, what and not even just the driving. Them? Sure. Not even just the driving, though, but even around the house and stuff. I'm always looking for, I need that. See, you're married and have a family, but I'm always looking for that extra pair of eyes. I need to read something or I need to do something that really requires eyes. So, um, yeah, so that that is an issue. And what do you tell people when they feel so guilty when you have some of the people that come to you for motivational and self-improvement and when they tell you, you know, Kristen, I feel guilty, I feel bad about this, uh, what, what types of things, suggestions, comments do you say to them? You mean when they feel guilty about not wanting to date another visually impaired person? Yes. I haven't had that experience yet, um, you know, with someone coming to me on that level. But I would just tell someone that not to close themselves off, first of all, because it really is the person who counts and that you would get around those issues if you met the, the love of your life, but that not to feel guilty if you're already so challenged and you need help. That's really where it comes from. Yes, that's right. You know, and I'm independent. I live on my own, so it's it's been yes. a challenge, you know. Yes, but as I th reflect on all of the couples that I know who are married, and I, I've been really interviewing so many of these people as they come into our center, the thing that I have found is that the people that they have married are usually people that they meet where they are at. So, for example, people who were at the Braille Institute taking a computer class, they met right. somebody else there at school and they married them. They didn't go out there right. be seeking to marry a blind person, but no. that's where they met. And the yes. people who were in a dance club and they do ballroom dancing, they met somebody there and they fell in love. And the people who are in college, the, the, the partially sighted student would meet a fully sighted student or a visually impaired student and they would, they would marry each other. And it really just seems to be that if you're in that environment where you can meet somebody, uh, that gives you the chance to develop these relationships. And uh, it, it seems to be more of that rather than them purposely seeking out to meet somebody. Of, of Well, that's the absolute best way to meet someone. But I'm just saying if, you, if you've exhausted those possibilities and you haven't been lucky, then things like online or social activities or friends, then those are great ways, you know. Now, what other suggestions can you give for protecting yourself in the sense that I know that you had mentioned you might go on a date through Match.com and you might ask them to meet you at a little uh, coffee shop or something. But as a, as a woman who is low vision, what special precautions do you make so that when you do meet somebody that you're, you're safest? 
Well, that's a great question. First of all, I'm a pretty good screener. I think I have a good gut reaction of people. But the bottom line is we don't know who anyone is online. And recently I actually had a date with a couple dates with a nice guy. It wasn't right for me, but um, but we had a, a nice time, and I let him pick me up at my house first. And a friend of mine said to me, wrong, you should never do that, even if you could see, you know. And she was right because it also jumps the date too fast from – you know, all of a sudden you're going out in the evening and you might be having a glass of wine. And, you know, you really want to stay daytime and safe and you want to give your, your uh, the name of the place where you're going to a friend so they know where you're going. And I would suggest taking a taxi to and from. And, and you know, also I noticed that on the nights when I have gone out with someone uh, and, and just naturally grabbed onto their arm and not used my cane, it puts them at an advantage without me meaning to do this because they think, oh, I'm all comfortable and cozy. She's on my arm. We're already close physically. Oh, yes. And I just realized that. And I thought, no, better to carry the cane and be independent, you know. Yes. So it's just something to think about. Yeah, so for those first few dates, try to go out during the day and take a cab rather than letting them pick you up. Yes, and don't go for an expensive outing. Go for coffee, you know, and and see it until it turns into real dates, you know. And the other thing is Google somebody, you know. Recently this this gentleman told me he was president of such and such company, and he was when I Googled him. So, you know, try to find out as much information about someone or, you know, there was someone I dated for a few years, and, and before we met he actually gave me the name of his real estate company and, you know, everything about where he lived, pictures of his home, so my family could see them. I mean, that made me feel really comfortable. Now, what would you say are some of the biggest mistakes that you made while dating as a person with low vision? What are the biggest mistakes? Oh, gee, I think we've all made them because whether you have a disability or not, everybody makes mistakes, you know. That's why if you're out there and and trying to find someone, it's good to practice anyway, you know. It's good to be out there actively dating. Um, So... I would say the first is one thing that you and I discussed earlier, and that was not telling people, not telling people really enough that that they knew what I was dealing with, you know, and not knowing how to present it. Now I'm pretty confident and comfortable so that if they don't want to meet me or something, then that's fine. But I'm, and I've never really had that happen, to tell you the truth. Never had that happen after connecting on the phone and stuff and so that would be one big mistake. Two would be just what I talked about, going out at night first, letting the picture person pick me up. Um, mm-hmm. And and also, I think a few good telephone conversations are needed before you meet a total stranger. Great, great. Yeah, and, and you... also the emailing. Don't email for more than, like, some people get into this email thing. Anybody can say anything on email. Get on the phone and, and meet them, you know, after a few times on the phone. Yes, I think Oh, and uh, there's another one. Here's another mistake. Getting if you're interested in someone and they've taken you out and you're you're talking to them a lot on the phone, don't be answering your mailbox all the time because they hate that. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yes. Because everybody can see everybody's activity. Yes. Yes. Now, how what about uh Facebook and and some of these other types of social networking? Have you found that to be something that's effective to catch up with friends that you went to college with or maybe worked with or even high school, I know that it is difficult to use Facebook uh, if you are using JAWS, but overall, just as a modality, uh, what's been your response with Facebook? 
very positive in all those aspects. Um, however, I do have friends who help me every few weeks and get on there for me because it is so darn hard. I think you've heard me at the board meeting say, I, I want to start a website called I Can't See Your Facebook.com because it, we really do need a group, a lobbyist group. It's just too hard for someone who's visually impaired to really enjoy it unless you're very, very high tech on there. But as a modality and as a networking way to meet people and get your message out there, it's great, especially for the radio show and things like that. Yes. And I think that, you know, you mentioned something today that I think is really important, and I believe in it. I believe that we as people who have low vision, we should not feel embarrassed or weak if no. we ask people to help us. I know no. that I've been to certain types of meetings, and these are certain types of meetings that really, really emphasize that we as a person who are visually impaired, we should do everything ourselves. We don't need help from anybody. But I, I really disagree with that. I think there's nothing wrong with asking a friend, hey, can you come here and help me on Facebook? Or, hey, can you check this out or do these things for me? I know. You're absolutely right. And because, you know, my list of favors is so high and I try to always do something for someone. And But, you know, sometimes just basically, as my mother said, you, you can't always be taking someone to dinner every time they check your Facebook or doing whatever. Those people want to feel good. That's the gift in it, really. I mean, certainly, you know what I mean. Do, do nice things for people when they help you. But I'm saying on a regular basis, your friends, that makes them feel good because they're, they all of a sudden realize how lucky they are, that they can see and they can do things. I that's agree an with inspiration. That. And I also want to tell everyone listening, there is a definite gift, and I'm sure those of you listening may know this, and if you don't, I hope you find your gift, but there's always gifts in adversity. It's only, it, it just happens to be the way we look at the situation. I would have never traded that gift, you know, for my eyesight. However, I'm really glad I'm past that stage where I could open up and see that because we are we are fortunate in many respects because we see life differently. I think you're so right, and that's that's really a, a very very important message. I know that I could say this for myself honestly. I could honestly say this, and I would have never thought that this is possible. But for me, losing my sight has really been probably one of the best things that ever happened to me in my life, mm. and the reason for that is because I was a very, 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 very visual person. I liked to look at architecture. I liked the looks of cars. I looked at people, and I judged them based on their appearance or how they dress. And it was really something that made me, I think, a much weaker person by judging people based on what they look like. And after I've lost my vision, the things that would upset me, for example, if, if a picture frame was crooked, I don't get angry with that. No. If my kids leave backpacks all over the floor, I don't see it, so I don't get mm -hmm. angry with it. Or if mm -hmm. my car has a little dent in it, it doesn't bother me. And like you said, there's there's always adversity, but there's really a, a much brighter rainbow after that. You know? You're not sweating the small stuff is what you're saying. That's you know, right. and and I can relate. What you just hit on about the visual part is that was beautiful, by the way, to to say that because it's so true um, that that you look at life differently now. You know, that's what you're saying. And I worked in Hollywood all these years, and Hollywood is just a glamour industry. You're you just try going blind with a white cane and a talking computer 
in in one of the top producers office i worked for aaron spelling you know and his partner for 12 years i mean it's a very glamorous town and so i was caught up in that as an actress when i came here and and now my life has a lot a much greater deeper meaning I, i have a different purpose now and with all the work that you do and i want everybody to know that that you do have really probably the best interview show that's on podcasting on the internet radio uh, second vision and can you let people know how they could uh, hear your interviews oh thank you dr bell look who's talking the master of ceremonies here look if anybody had any idea of the things that this man does you're amazing you're just incredible and you're one of my stars on there you can listen to an interview with dr bill all about how he has overcome adversity Second Vision is my half-hour talk show, engineered by wonderful Dick Burden, who's doing this show now. And it is a show created based on your three best attitudes. It was really about creating a new vision for your life when the first one failed. And so I decided to cover all the areas of personal development and get authors and people on there who would overcome adversity. And I've covered the subject of dating and disabilities and uh, health, nutrition. There's a lot on there. There's, uh, if you go to second, if you go to secondvision.net to my website, you'll see the whole links to it. And my my workbook is going up on Amazon. It should be there in about ten days, and it's called uh, the Second Vision Journal, an interactive journal. And it's about sixty pages. If you feel like really putting yourself through some some positive motivation. It's about acceptance, appreciation, and taking action in your life. So it's a journal to help move you forward in your life. That's great. So it's second, spelled out, S-E-C-O-N-D, secondvision.net. Yes. Great, great. And, uh, you know, we'll look forward to your book when that comes loose. Thank you. Yeah, we'll get everybody to be buying that. But uh, will you be able to answer some questions for the next 15 minutes for our our, Absolutely, of course. I'd be delighted. Well, let's do this. Everybody, uh, if you could unmute your phone by pressing star six, and then you can ask uh, Kristen of different questions you might have about dating. So uh, if you have a question, go ahead and and speak out loud and ask Kristen. Kristen, this is Sam. Hi, Sam. Yeah, this is Sam from uh, San Francisco. I, you know, to reflect upon what you have just said, I think it's very important for us to be truthful to who I am and how I am, you know, how, you know, that it is about everything about ourselves here. But one question I have is that, you know, dating out, uh, you know, sometimes we want to impress other people there. So my question would be, you know, uh, high-performing or low-performing? In terms of choosing, you know, say a coffee shop or a restaurant or the location, you know, could you share with us your experience? I'm sure that you, in some occasion, you feel you perform better in some situations, some that you don't. Could you share with us that on that? Sure. So just so I'm clear, you're asking me what are better locations to meet in? Or where we can be, you know, that uh, can perform better, or you know, if we tend to perform not as good. How do you overcome that? Oh, you're saying on a date when you perform not yes. as well? Yes. Okay. 
um, in terms of your dialogue with the person or just meeting them? Everything, are, everything, are you, everything. Are you blind? Can I ask yes, you? Are yes, you I'm blind. yes, I'm blind. Yes, I'm blind. Yes. Okay. So, um, so you're saying how can you perform better, meaning how can you present yourself better? I just want yes. to be clear. Yes. Okay. Um, well, first of all, some of the things that we talked about with Dr. Bill about really talking on the phone so you feel comfortable, because it's very important for you to feel comfortable, you know, and to really feel that you want to meet that person if you're meeting a total stranger. You know, you don't, you don't, you don't want to go through a numbers game and just meet 100 people. You want to be selective. So I would try to find a place where maybe your local Starbucks where they know you, where you – can you see it all? Uh, a little bit. Yes, a, a little, little bit. bit. Yes. Okay. So I would order easy foods, like um, chopped salad is a great dating salad for me. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. <laughs> Something yes. that you don't have to struggle with, you know. Right, um, right. You know, or go for coffee first. Um, I would just try to be as confident and shine your own light, you know, to right. realize that you are whole, that that person is fortunate to meet you. We all have something. That's the other thing I wanted to say to people before. Everybody's got something. Even though our disability may be right up front, chances are that person you're having lunch with has had some something they've had to overcome. Yes, and I think the, those are some really good suggestions. Uh, for example, if you have retinitis pigmentosa, or if you have glaucoma and you don't see well at night, choose a restaurant or a coffee shop that you're familiar with that has good lighting. Maybe you get there, leave early so that you could get the chair that the seat's going to be such that your back faces the window so the glare doesn't bother you. Or just right. like Kristen said, someplace you're comfortable with. Because if it's too posh for you and that's not your style, you don't want to meet at a place like that. So you no. can perform better when you're relaxed, Sam. Right. right. Okay, great. Yes, thank you. Yeah. Sure, another, sure. Another question there? I have a question, Kristen? please. Uh, yes. Kristen, you uh, made a comment at some point about how something about you, your your vision, your eyesight uh, wasn't good, but your vision was. Could you explain that? What did you mean by that, please? Sure, of course. It's a metaphor. It's just a, um, a way of saying that even though I became visually impaired and lost part of my eyesight, my vision for my life in my mind and the way I live is still great. That's what I meant. Okay, Does so how sense? do you phrase that when you use that? Just the way I said it, most people will understand it. You know, if you say it in a way just saying, you know, that I, I might have lost my eyesight, but I'm still living a full life. Okay. So, you know, like take, for instance, I have a close friend. His name is Tom Sullivan. He's a actor, producer, composer. He, you might have heard of him. He's blind from birth. But that man has more vision than anyone I've ever met on the planet. It's unbelievable because he is full of life. And life is really all about energy, you know. It's not about even what we see all the time. It's about our energy and what we bring toward, you know, um, the energy to the, the people in our lives and the things that we're doing. It's spirit. Mm -hmm. Okay. Thank you. That's helpful. Is it helpful? Do you understand what I meant when I said my eyesight might be poor, but my vision is perfect? Yes. Thank you. Oh, great. Okay. Sure. Sure. And I have a related question. This is Jenny sure. in Washington. Um, and Hi, first Jenny. of all, I, I'm on a, a two um, online dating sites, and I think OkCupid, even though it's a freebie, is better than Match.com. Um, the profiles be are right. more substantive and it's interactive, asking good questions like, what are you doing with your life? You know, what are 
six things that are of most important to you, um, uh, you know, I'm really good at, and then you fill in the blanks. I think those are excellent questions. Plus, good. you can make up your own, and the re- and the members can answer hundreds of questions, all of which are made up by the subscribers. Um, okay, and, and one other uh, thing that this because I may forget it. Um, I'm a country dancer, a long time, and you can do this all over the country. And one thing I started doing years ago has been put uh, putting blind dancer on my T-shirt, even though I'm low vision. Blind dancer, and it works like a charm. Uh, I don't have to explain anything, uh, and I get a lot of affection and respect. And uh, so I recommend that to any of any of any of you who are interested Good in for you. That's a that's a wonderful. See, I'm a salsa dancer, so ah. uh, maybe I should do that next time. The guy in the corner will know that I I want to dance with him. All right. Well, here's my here's my question. Um, okay, Cupid uh, has a section called. The most private thing I'm willing to admit. Now, I kind of resent the question, so I think I put, I'll admit privately. But then I, I, you know, I wonder if this is a place to mention low vision. I have so far opted not to do that and to wait for the phone call only because um, there are so many misconceptions out there. And... um, but, you know, I could do this as a trial balloon, and my question would be, okay, where do I do this? Um, it doesn't seem appropriate for the so-called self-summary. I'm wondering if if you thought this, what, you know, what private thing are you willing to admit might be a good spot to do that. Uh, you're okay. Are you? You're asking me whether or not I think you should admit that you, you put it out there that you're visually impaired. No, no. I'm asking you where on this particular site. And by the way, I use Zoom text, and I don't know if Jaws would work with OkCupid, but it works fine with me with Zoom text of about eight, eight or ten times. Um, no, my question is whether this section in, on OkCupid that's called. You know, what private thing would you be willing to admit here? If that spot might be a good place to mention your visual challenge. Yes, absolutely. I think so. I think that sounds like a good spot. Why? Because it, well, I mean, it depends on if you're considering it private or not private. Um, you You have a profile, too, in the beginning? Yeah, I have a profile, and there are these other questions, like I'm really good at, and you fill that in, and six things most important to me, favorite books, you know, all of these are these fill-ins, and this is just one, I know, you know, it's just one question, but do you not want to put it in your profile to just get it oh, out Oh, no, there? I don't, I don't think it's, I, well, no, I don't think it, it would That's be. That's where it is uh, in mine. Is it? Well. You know, I think it just okay. depends on each person. Some people yeah. really, really are comfortable with letting it out right under the profile. And I okay. think that area about something secret, I think that's also a nice place that you could put it out. And I might suggest that you might just put it out that, you know, your biggest secret is you might just say, I have a vision problem and no one knows it. Or it could be something like that. Sometimes if you okay. if you do not use the words... I am legally blind or I am visually impaired. Oh, no, I wouldn't. Those types, of, those types of words are words that the general public often doesn't know, 
and you may get less hits, per se, uh, simply because those people are ignorant. But you just might say, uh, what people don't know is that I got a vision problem. Okay. Can, I, can okay. I just say something here? Uh, my, now this is only my opinion because I've done both. I found it so much more freeing and so much better when I was right up front center. And when I interviewed Evan Mark Katz, you know, that top dating coach, and he said that he works with different people with disabilities and that his success, he, he married off one woman who was using a wheelchair, another guy who had some neurological thing, but he says it should be right front you know, center. The reason is, I think you're huh. going to get people first. They're not going to, they're going to skip that. They're not going to get it. If you just say, oh, I might have a visual problem under that question. Uh, maybe some smart ones will pick up on it. But the bottom line is you already have to explain. And so they're already going to know it when they meet you. So some people view it as a form of deception that you're, why didn't you tell me this, you know? Uh, but I'm, yeah. I'm saying it for your protection. I think it frees you because if you are visually impaired, you can't get around telling anyone. You are. Well, I always tell them on the phone. I always tell them on the phone. I know, you know but it saves I tell, you. It's a joke. Pardon? But it it saves you. It separates the men from the boys, as I said earlier. That's only my been my experience. It's better because people kind of, you know, it's a different type of person calling you. You know. Okay. No, it's better up. You think up front, right in your yeah. in the summary, yes. rather I than I even took a picture, down. one of my pictures, um, and it was really hard for me. I was holding a cane this summer on the deck with my sister when my last boyfriend and I. Oh, up. really? Yeah, I put one with the cane because Evan Marquez had said, "Hey, I have someone with a guide dog. I have this. Just be yourself, because that's who you are." Interesting. But, Thank you very you much, know, Kristen. I hope it's helpful. I'm only oh, telling you it's a... helpful for me. Great. Next question, please. Yeah, I was not, not a question. This is Tom from Vermont. Hi, Tom. Uh, I met my wife, www.eharmony.com. <laughs> Great site. I had gone to a free dating service, and my son said, no, if you're not willing to shell out $100, uh, and she's not willing to shell out $100, you don't want to meet her. And that was a comment that you met. Yeah. And then... It took me like three and a half, and used jaws worked fine. It took me about three and a half hours, where it takes everybody about two and a half hour. And at the last question, is, is there anything else that somebody is likely to notice about you that you haven't mentioned? And I said, mm -hmm. yes, I carry a white cane. Oh, I good got it for out you. Front. <laughs> I got it right out front. Now, that's after I said I'm a claims representative with Social Security, so you know I've passed an FBI background check. And right, they knew right, I right. had a good job and all of those things. But, and did everything you said, we emailed, uh, she called me first, we met for our first date at, at Barnes & Noble, the, you know, they have the little coffee shop. Yes. So we met in a public place, she realized I was harmless gave me a ride home. We went out to dinner. And the second week we went, a friend was having, and I said, let's get this out in the open real fast. And our friend was blind and a lot of blind friends there. I said, if we're compatible, she better know what she's getting into right now. Right. So I right. was up front at the beginning and we got married a year and a half later. And that's because She's a widow, and we waited until after she turned 60 so she could get, still get widow's benefits. I don't work for Social Aww. Security for nothing. But, That's right. But I, That's right. Really, I really recommend eHarmony 
or one of the ones that you have to pay money, as you said, if you're not willing to invest money in it, you probably don't want to meet the person, and they probably don't want to meet you either. That's well, been my you, experience. Tom. Thank you. That's a very, very thank good you. recommendation. Thank you. That's a great, yeah, great tip. So we got great eHarmony. Story. Congratulations. We have eHarmony as a recommendation and OKCupid. Okay Is that O-K-A-Y Cupid or OKCupid? Okay Okay, great. Okay. You know, we have time for more, more, one more question for Kristen. And is there another question for Kristen? We've got about two minutes. I have one. This is Mike Gravit from Pittsburgh. Hi, Mike. Uh, I'm just curious to know when you first meet somebody, do you find yourself discussing more of your life before you lost your vision or after you lost your vision? Well, it depends on the conversation and, you know, what they're asking me. Um, I, you know, try to stay present, you know, on what I'm doing with my life now. So it just depends, I guess, on the date and who the person is. Okay. I mean, certainly I try to, you know, let them know that I lived in a sighted world. And, you know, when you find out about each other and maybe you've discussed that on the phone and stuff. So, um, so I definitely talk about what it's like to have been sighted, too, for sure. I think it yeah, makes re- them comfortable. Right. <clears throat> yeah, yeah the, re- the reason I ask is because, it, you know, sometimes I find myself having trouble connecting with finding common interests with people who are sighted mm-hmm. uh, versus people who are blind. And, that, and being that you lost your vision later in life, I, I thought maybe you would find yourself, uh, you know, falling back on some things uh, before you lost your vision versus after. Uh, you mean falling back on things, like talking about things? They're discussing things, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, um, I think I definitely telling them, you know, that I did lose my vision is helpful because, you know, they know then that I know what a blue sky looks like and I know what the ocean looks like and I know what it's like to ride a bike. And now I'm walking the beach. I'm not riding a bike by the beach. But I, I try to now tell them, too, that I've taken the negatives and tried to turn them into a positive, you know. When there was something I had to give up, I've tried to replace it with something. But, you know, it's difficult. Let's face it. We can't sit and see a movie with someone, you know. But I can listen through it, and when someone pauses it and describes what's happening, I can get the movie. So I try to tell them about what my orientation is today, you know. So they can feel comfortable in thinking, gee, what would it be like to have you know, a couple more dates or be in a relationship with her, you know? Well, this has been just wonderful, Kristen. We really, really appreciate all of your insight here. And oh, thank for everybody, you too. we're all going to be looking for your book that comes out soon. And for those who want to find out more about Kristen, you can go to her website, second, S-E-C-O-N-D, vision.net. And this podcast will also be up on the CCLVI website at www.cclvi.org and also at AirsLA, www.airsla.org, where you could find all of Kristen's uh, interview programs as well as these for CCLVI. So we want to thank uh, Mr. Dick Burden and AirsLA for recording this and Joel Isaacs for putting this up on the web. And uh, we hope that you'll come in next month when we talk about when is the appropriate time to let others know that you're visually impaired. We'll be having a a panel of professionals who will be talking about their recommendations on that. 
So thank you very much, everybody, and thank you, Kristen, very much. Thank you, Dr. Bill. My pleasure.